This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight we travel back to 1951 and a visit with two of the top stars of the silver screen, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, and another episode of their radio program, Bold Venture. Now, one can only imagine the number of ad agencies, networks, sponsors, and syndicators that lined up month after month to pitch a radio project to Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. That's undoubtedly a story in itself. What the Bogarts finally settled on has become something of a cult favorite in the world of golden age of radio. And they settled on a gem for both its day and for generations of golden age radio fans to come. The concept of bold venture had to have piqued the Bogarts' interest from the very first pitch. Having already bought their beloved Santana schooner from Dick Powell and June Allison, they become one of America's leading seafaring families, Within a couple of years, now the seafaring wanderlust aspect of the concept of bold venture had to have been one of the project's most persuasive elements. Add to that their impending departure for the bowels of Africa to film Bogie's classic The African Queen in 1951 and Frederick Ziv's willingness to bend over backwards to get at least 30 episodes of bold venture taped before their departure. Then, mix in an amazing back-of-the-mic staff that included David Rose as composer and music director, Henry Hayworth to direct, and both Morton Fine and David Friedkin to write the radio plays. All in all, an amazing repertory company for the Bogarts' debut as leads in their own radio program. And tonight, the episode is entitled, Spanish Gold. Adventure, intrigue, mystery, romance, starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Together in the sultry setting of tropical Havana and the mysterious islands of the Caribbean. Bold Venture. Once again, the magic names of Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall bring you Bold Venture and a Tale of Mystery and Intrigue. Now in Havana, there is a small hotel. From here to there, they come pell-mell. No elevators or curtains of lace. It's known all over as Shannon's place. <laughs> you like that, Mr. Slate? Oh, sure do. 
Do you have another verse, King? Every time, Miss Sailor. Look, we've got work to do. If you don't mind, I'd like to get on with it. Right now, we mind. King's in a singing mode. Go ahead, King. Mr. Shannon, he run this small hotel. He man who like Havana so well. He would rather starve in this city than have a million dollars in Cincinnati. <laughs> Thanks, King. Now it's your turn, Whit. Go ahead. Well, we've been sitting here for three hours now talking about it. All I'd like you to do is say yes or no. What I say, sailor? Yes or no? Well, I'd like it. It's a thing I've always wanted to do. If you want my opinion, Mr. Slate. Sure. I've heard stories like this before. Spanish gold. Nothing ever happens. Down in the barrio, secret treasure maps get sold all day long. I know the man who draws them. The man just made a point, Whit. I beg your pardon, then, and yours, too. Because I'm not making myself clear. Look, I have nothing so tangible as a map. All I have is this knowledge that on the island in Flamingo Cay, there is Spanish gold. And this you learned in college. That's right. Now, you people don't have to smile about it. Mr. Cheney and I are serious. That's why he sent me to you. You don't have to smile. I wasn't smiling. Thank you, Mr. Bell. Let's see the charts again. <laughs> sure, sure, Mr. Cheney. Now, look. See? Your boat could make it easily right along the banks, eh? Now, here. Here's Flamingo Cay, about 30 small islands. Now, this one. Here, here's one. Due south of Exmouth Sound. Here's a nickel slate. Yeah. Heads we go, tails we don't. Tails. Tails we don't. I said two out of three. <laughs> yeah, that's right, you did. Heads. One more. Heads. Heads we go. We'll start in the morning. We're at about six. Oh, that's swell. swell. I'll see you then, huh? Uh, I don't think I'll be able to sleep. You won't be sorry. Take it easy, boy. Wait. Uh-huh. Did he bite? <laughs> I learned a word for his type in college. Sucker. I'm going to tell you something, Joe, just between you and me. All right. I feel good. I feel good all over. Well, I'm glad for you. Yeah. Yeah, it's a feeling I like. All that loot just waiting for me. For both of us. For both of us. You're a greedy boy, Whit. That's what makes you so useful. But you'll remember something, Whit. Anything you ask me, I'll remember. Anything you tell me, I'll remember. That's good, because it's my party I call a dance you won't forget now, college boy. <laughs> Joe, tell me more about yourself. Tell me again how a man like you comes on a dream like this. Yeah, I had me a boat once. I tore the insides out of it on a coral reef in Flamingo Cay, and I got ashore. It is like you said, the stuff that landed on the beach wasn't just sand. You make me young again, Joe. It just lay there teasing me, pirate's loot whispering to me in the sun. Then a shadow come over it, a guy and his wife. Mr. and Mrs. Mark Bryan? Yeah, a college boy, Mark Bryan and his wife. He told me the island belonged to them. He told me don't touch. He told me fix your boat and go away. I went away. But he won't do that to us again, will he? Uh-uh, college boy. And our sucker, Slade Shannon. And that pretty drain hangs on him. <laughs> what do we do with them, Joe? We use them. 
Then we lay a Spanish dub bloomin' on their foreheads so they shine in the sun so the seagulls can find them. Thank you, Joe. I can sleep now. I hope you're a good navigator, Shannon. Don't worry about it. That college boy, Whit, he looks worried, and he's got education. The bold venture has gotten through barrier reefs before. Hey, look, Cheney, why don't you trail your feet in the water, light a cigarette, or spit into the wind, the things people are supposed to do on a boat? Well, you're a good sailor, Shannon. Look at that island. That's pretty, huh? All that loot, and all you have to do is tie up at that pier. It's pretty small. I'll make it. Five feet here, Slade. Shannon. Yeah? It's not a whole lot of room between the bottom of this boat and that coral. Quarter less five. Shawling off, Slade. Four. Easy. Ah, yeah, that does it. We'll tie up here. Maybe. Huh? Look what we got, a committee standing on the beach. It's got a gun, Shaney. What is this? What it is is Mark Bryan and Ms. Bryan looking as red-headed as usual. Sailor! Sailor, come here! What is it, Slate? I'll make it fast. I'm going calling. Hey, that looks like a shotgun the man's holding. He couldn't miss with it if he tried. Just make it fast, Sailor. Hello! Get out of here! Your name Bryan? You're Mrs. Bryan. My name is Slate Shannon. Hello, Slate Shannon. Get back on your boat and get out of here. I've counted four on your boat. We can put you up. We're lousy with bamboo shacks. I weave them in my spare time. You've come for the gold. It's dug up and put away. I didn't say anything about gold. Who are you trying to fool? That man, him, standing on the pier? Don't you think I know him? (laughs) Joe Cheney. Why don't you just listen for a minute? Listen? You listen. What do you think I... Brian. Oh. oh, that crazy college punk. Shot my husband. What do you know? Someone finally called Mark's bluff. Pick him up, Mr. Shannon. As I said, I've got accommodations for everybody. Oh. Sorry, Mr. Brian. That's all right, my boy. I don't expect you to mend me without some hurt. One more twist of bandage and you... You know, you're a good slave. If I'm ever shot in the shoulder, if I'm ever hurt, remind me, call you. I'll do that. Uh, Two weeks and you'll have your shoulder back, Mr. Bryan. Uh, You want me to be grateful? Shall I kiss the hands that heal me? I think we could bear it. Uh, Don't misunderstand me, you two. It's only that for me, the difference between living and dying is very slight. I rather wish your friend had potted me into eternity. I'll go get your wife, Mr. Brown. No, no. No. Leave her there with her newfound excitements. Two new men. That can make Lucy very happy. See? This occasion is a rare delicacy for Lucy. Life with me on my island bores her. It's bored her for 12 years. You could have taken her away. Anywhere in the world she wanted to go. And maybe she'd be with you on your head. You mean the gold. 
the gold you and your friends are so hungry for? <laughs> You're quite right. I could have used it for that, but I have no taste for it. Then this wasn't a college boy's fairy tale. There is gold here. Mr. Bryan? Enough to make all men kneel at your feet, Miss Duval. I need gold for that, Slate. You heard what the man said. Then listen more to what I say. This is your fee for probing in my shoulder, for trespassing on a world I meant to keep for myself. Wash up, Slate. Get your money and let's get out of here. Not money, Mr. Val. A suggestion. I suggest you and Mr. Shannon take your friends and get off my island. I suggest you forget its existence. I suggest you will never find what you're looking for. <laughs> Except that. Except the sound of death. Good night, you two. Sleep well. You done good, college boy. You impressed Miss Bryan, I could tell. <laughs> Redheads and me, Joe, there's an affinity. I tell her the things I do for a girl like her if only I had money, so she whispers in my ear where her husband hit the loot. The other side of the atom. Take it, she says. It's yours. And now you go to work on Miss DeVal, that sailor girl, huh, where? Hide someplace where you can watch me, Joe. Be a revelation to you. I couldn't live without it. You're on your own, college boy. Now, don't louse it. She'll love every minute of it. Goodbye, Joe. Oh, it's you. I thought you it... You have the look of a girl who's sorry she's alone, Mr. Bell. As if you were waiting for someone to knock at your door. <laughs> but not me. Right again. Not you. Uh... Mr. Shannon. Slate said he wanted to look around the island. Maybe you'll go find him for me. Uh, no. We've had a nice chat. Good night. You dislike me for shooting Mr. Bryan? I'll find other reasons. Give me time. Anything you ask, Mr. Val? I thought that if you're really tired of being alone, we could go for a walk. Tropic moon, the surf. Sometimes a girl wants things like that. Go beat on another shack. College boy. I've got strong sales resistance. Even with this gun in my hand? It could shoot your resistance full of holes, Mr. Val. It could. Why don't we walk, Mr. Val? You and I. <laughs> Get decent and open the door. I thought maybe you'd like to walk. Walk right in. Huh? Walk right in, Shannon. Don't ever argue with a 45. Walk. Good. Turn around, Shannon. What did you do with Sailor? Bite your lip, kid. Bite it hard. <clears throat> You stay unconscious too long, Shannon, you rot. Come on. 
Come on, Slate. Oh, you'll have to do better than that. What the... Open your eyes. Yeah. Yeah, help me up. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks. Where's Sailor? In the boat. I guess she's in the boat. Look out the window. Huh? Yeah. Hey, the boat... Gone? That's right. She's in the boat. Only the boat's gone. She said it would be here. She said all we have to do is dig right here. That redhead crossed me up. Keep your sweat for the digging, college boy. It'll be here. I said dig. Maybe if he digs hard enough, it'll turn out to be his grave. <laughs> you're real funny, Mr. Val. You run a boat good, and you're real funny. What did you do to Slate? Did I forget to tell you? I hit him on the head with the butt end of this forty-five. It must have hurt him because he didn't talk back. That's what I'd done with Slate. You dig for a while, Joe. I want to tell a lady about the splendors of where we are. Little-known facts. She'll enjoy it. Do that, college boy. Maybe it'll do something for me, too. This lagoon you sail us into, Mr. Val, it's really just a saltwater lake filling up a hole that used to be a volcano. Imagine that. And all of this, this cove with these sheer cliffs all around, rising up into the sky like a cry for help. Stunning, isn't it? It makes me weep, the sheer stunningness of it. And that hurricane hovering over us like a black-winged bird. But it won't touch us here. Because Mother Nature built this place so no storm could touch it. is for the million things. And on the other side of the island, you're Mr. Shannon. The redhead, her husband, all at the mercy of a tropical hurricane and no place to hide. Will you cry for Mr. Shannon, Sarah? I found it, kid. It's here. Just like she said, it's all here, wrapped in an old sail. Uh, Let me look at it, Joe. Get out of the way so I can look at it. We're through here, kid. Yeah. Yeah. Make the boat ready, Mr. Val. We're sailing away from this lovely place. Wrong again, college boy. What? The black-winged hurricane, remember? The one you were telling me about? Boats die in it. Even with me sailing them. Joe, she's right. We wait here till it blows away. (laughs) I don't mind, Joe. I don't mind a bit. I got the gold to keep me warm. And the whole thing strikes you funny. Well, consider it, Shannon. Look at it the way I do and join me in a big, fat laugh. Yeah, I know. It's about your husband. You're getting a reaction from his shoulder wound. Him? Lying in our shack, drinking up all this tropical paradise? Him? No, nope. You want to know what makes me laugh? I can see it from here. The moon. I can see it. A fire moon. A hurricane moon. (laughs) Hey, look, Mrs. Bryan. It's an intimate time. Say, Lucy, I'll answer you. Where did they take Sailor? Lucy. Where did they take her, Lucy? Now we're intimate and you worry about Sailor. So help me up. You gonna hit me? Go ahead, if you operate that way. Chaney and Whit put her on the boat because she can navigate out of this reef. Tell me where they went. The other side of the island. We could cuddle up, make a song out of that. 
That's where the loot is, isn't it? It's where I help Mark Berry in. Ah, now I know what's funny. I'll laugh at you and you laugh at me. That's one way of spending a hurricane. Maybe you're not impressed. That hurricane's really coming. Listen to me, Lucy. I didn't figure it, Shannon. Whenever someone whispers in my ear, I tingle all over. I told them where the treasure was and they ran out on me. We gotta get out of here. None of us is getting out of here. How do we get to the other side of the island? Why? What for? You've got to listen to me, Lucy. The other side of the island. We've got to get there. You know a way, don't you? It's far. We'll get your husband. He can walk. We can't leave him here. It's far. Can't be too far. It's a small island, Lucy. You miss the mood, huh, Shannon? Sure. Sure, I'll take you. All you gotta do is hold my hand. You know something, Joe? What? I'm glad we're down here, not up there. People could die up there on top of the island in that hurricane, and we don't want to die, do we, Joe? That's right, kid. I sit here and I dream of what I can do with all this loot. Makes me shudder. Sends chills down my back. Care to share it with me, Mr. Brown? Maybe I would. What? Because I see you in a new light, college boy. That would be the reflection of all this gold, wouldn't it? That's part of it. Tell me, what else would there be? You, the way you are. The dark things you stir up in a girl when she gets to know you. And when did this wonderful thing happen to me? It began when you came into Shannon's place. It built when you shot Mr. Bryan. And the way you handled me when you made me bring you here in the boat. I liked it. You surprised me. How do you figure me, Joe? I don't have to, I know. Leave her alone, kid. She's got a point, Joe. It interests me. Burn up dreams, you and me. Let's have them. Burn them. Blow the ashes away. Start new ones. Whatever you say. Uh Uh-huh. Joe? What's the matter with you, kid? You going crazy? Put that gun away before I slap you across the mouth with it. You won't be able to do that, Joe. I'll tell you why. That's why, Joe. Brush your cheek against mine, sailor. I'm in love. You okay, Brian? Yeah, you didn't have to take me. Two of you could make it faster. You lean on me. Leave him alone, Shannon. What's the matter with you? I said leave him alone. Do you love him all of a sudden? Shut up. How much further? Uh, we'll never make it. Never. Down that crater. There's a passageway that leads to the other side. Then we can... That tree! Watch out! Oh! Oh! Mark! Mark! Help me with him! Help me! No, it's no use. Help me with you! I can't! I, I can't budge the tree! Mark! 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 Come on, Lucy. <laughs> You can't help him. (laughs) Lucy. Get out of here. Get out. You can't stay here. I did wrong, Mark. I did wrong in this effort. It's it's my fault, Mark. He's dead. 
No. No, it isn't my fault. It's your fault, Shannon. Coming here with that boat. Those men. Get out. Get out, will you, and leave me with my husband. The wind's dying. You'll be all right. Oh, can't you understand? I want to be with Mark. Tell him how sorry I am. Wind's just about gone, Sailor. Let's go see all those pretty places we were going to see. Maybe we ought to stay around for a while. Maybe the hurricane will start up all over again. No, it never does. Let's go. I think we ought to wait. Come on. Give me a hand with this stuff. Wait. Come on, I said. <laughs> Look at it, baby. How much do you think there is there? I wouldn't know. It would be enough for what we want it for. That's a happy sound. Huh? <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, 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 what do you know? Look what the storm blew in. Slate. Slate Shannon trying to be quiet as a Mars. You're clumsy, Mr. Shannon. Try with your hands in the air. You all right, sailor? Yes, yeah, she's fine. I'm going to have to tell you something, Mr. Shannon. You're going to have to die. I'm going to have to kill you. Let him be, Wit. Just let him be. I asked you something, sailor. I asked you if you're all right. You didn't tell me. Slate, don't come near me. He'll kill you. No, you're wrong. I won't kill him. He'll kill him. You're fond of me, remember? Here, take my gun. Go on, take it. That's right. Now shoot him. You're not a very bright college boy, are you, Wit? Why, Betty Cap? Don't point the gun at me. Point it at him. Go ahead, shoot him. Don't come any closer. Sailor, let him have it. I warned you, Whit. You aren't really fond of me at all, Sally. Stay where you are, Mr. Shannon. This other gun, Joe's gun, is loaded. All the bullets in the gun Sailor's holding are in Joe. What do you do with us now? Kill us both? Only you. Slate. You tried, Sailor. Pick up that sailcloth with the coins in it. Pick it up, Shannon. That's right. Might as well lead a short and useful life. Now carry it over to the boat. Show them the way, sailor. That's right. You get your feet wet, but it won't matter. What are you going to do with all this money? Convert it into coin of the realm, then live. <laughs> sailor, help me plan the whole thing. Dry him off first. Play you. Watch it, sailor. I'll tell you. Start holding your breath, wet. Ah. What do you know? Short-winded. Slate, you'll kill him. Don't suggest anything, sailor. Let him up. Ah. See? I let him up. He's breathing, too. Maybe they'll put a stop to that in Havana. Sailor. It's pretty. Piece of eight. We go on a treasure hunt and we come up with one crummy piece of eight. 
<laughs> Mrs. Bryan said you could take all you wanted. This is all I wanted. Flip it. What for? Well, it's night. I want to go for a walk on the beach. You never want to take me. All right. Heads, I'll take you. Tails, I won't. Tails, I won't. Two out of three, Slate. Oh. Tails again. Sailor. Uh-huh. Three out of five. Isn't that the way we play it? And so our two stars, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, have brought to a close our latest Bold Venture story. Special music was composed and conducted by David Rose. May we invite you to listen again next week at this time for another exciting adventure starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall together in Bold Venture. Stay tuned for Fibber McGee and Molly next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Fibber McGee and Molly and an episode that first aired in 1945. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson Wax products for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. You know what an auction room is. It's an indoor junkyard where if the auctioneer catches you nodding, you're the new owner of an antique cobbler's bench that your 10-year-old son could have made a better one in manual training. But auctions have a definite fascination for some people, among them being Fibber McGee and Molly. Ten dollars. Says ten dollars for this lovely tea caddy. A genuine antique, a gift from Julia Caesar to Marie Antoinette. Do I have fifteen? Fifteen. For goodness <laughs> sakes, McGee, stop bidding. We don't need a tea caddy. I can carry my own tea. <laughs> oh, I won't get it. I'm just having fun. I get a bang out of auctions. Somebody will top my bid like seventeen fifty. See. Seventeen <laughs> fifty. I'm bid. Do I have twenty? Going once at seventeen fifty, going twice at seventeen fifty, going three times at seventeen fifty. So for three times seventeen fifty, which is exactly fifty-two fifty to the lucky gentleman in the fourth row. Well, I never heard of such a thing. Come on, McGee, let's go home. 
The weather's cleared up, and we've proved we knew enough to come in out of the rain. Now, let's stick around a while. I love these things. <laughs> Item 412, as you will see by your catalogs, ladies and gentlemen. This is an inlaid high boy. Hi, boy. Hi. <laughs> this is an inlaid high boy of rosewood and ivory from the Palace of the Grand Duke, which was situated on the rafters of the Danube. To prove it's authentic, ladies and gentlemen, on this faded old label, we can still make out the words, grand and rapid. <laughs> what am I bid for this lovely piece, which was a gift from Cleopatra to Henry VIII? $25. Heavenly days, that sounds like Mrs. Carstairs. McGee, it is Mrs. Carstairs. Well, she's made her bid. She'll have to lie in it. <laughs> $25, I'm bid. Who'll make it 30 30 for that broken down old... 30 I hear. Who'll make it 40 Do I hear 40 McGee, for goodness sakes, be quiet. If nobody says 40 you're stuck for the... I hear 40 What? <laughs> The lady with the little man in the rib, it's 40. Now, just a darn minute, Butch. $50. Ah, $50. Do I hear 75? Going once at 50, twice. Sold for $50 to Mrs. Carstairs. Shall we deliver it for you, Mrs. Carstairs? Thank you, no. My chauffeur will call for you. Hello there, Mrs. Carstairs. <laughs> oh, how do you do, Mrs. McGee? Hi, Carsty. That was quite a slug of moolah you just put out for that worm-eaten pile of condemned lumber. <laughs> Darn thing's got three legs like Queen Anne and one like Leon Errol. <laughs> oh, I guess Mrs. Carstairs knows what she's doing, dearie. I happen to be buying this highboy for my husband, Mr. McGee. Mr. Carstairs is extremely fond of antiques. <laughs> <laughs> There's as perfect a straight line as I ever heard. <laughs> I haven't got the heart to deliver the bomb. That's a pretty heavy piece of furniture for your chauffeur to handle, Mrs. Carstairs. Maybe McGee would help him carry it out. Oh, thank you, my dear, but my footman will assist him. We still have one footman, you know, although our domestic staff has been cut to the bone. He has? How? Slicing toast for hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> Did I tell you, Mrs. McGee, that I was forced to discharge my upstairs maid last week? Oh, no, that's too bad, Mrs. Carstairs. Why? The impudent girl came downstairs. <laughs> uh, tell me, Mrs. Carstairs, do you plan to stay in town all summer? We are undecided, my dear. We might go to our hunting lodge in Maine, our chalet in the Berkshires, our hacienda in Acapulco, or we may visit our orange groves in Santa Barbara. Ah, uh, what kind of oranges you raise, Carsty? Valencias or navels? The latter, Mr. McGee, although we refrain from using the more vulgar term. <laughs> Mr. Carstairs and I refer to them as citrus umbilicus. Okay, <laughs> Mrs. McGee. Boy, boy, oh boy, what a character. You and she don't seem to get along, do you, McGee? I get along all right, but she don't. <laughs> she forgets the upper crust is just a lot of crumbs held together by their own dough. <laughs> Your attention, ladies and gentlemen. Your attention, item 413 in the catalog. A genuine dreadnought trunk, 75 years old. Contents unknown from the estate of Mr. J. Farthington Campwell. Crampwell? Hey, he's the rich millionaire that had all his money hid around his house. 
Why, that trunk might be full of cash. Not very likely, dearie. His estate spent 40 years in probate court. Well? If there was any money in that trunk, there'd be three lawyers sitting on the lid. <laughs> well, just the same, I got a good night. What am I bit for this sad, interesting old trunk, ladies and gentlemen? A dreadnought trunk is practically indestructible. Two dollars. The little man bids two dollars. A ridiculous offer, friends. Two dollars for a handsome trunk which might contain valuable property worth thousands of dollars. Four dollars. Four dollars. Five dollars. Five dollars. Six dollars. Six dollars. Ah, what spirited bidding, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Will some mad, impulsive spendthrift raise the bid to six fifty? Seven bucks. Seven dollars the little man offers. Let's stop matching nickels, ladies and gentlemen, and get on with business, huh? This is an auction sale, not... Nine dollars, and that's my last offer. Now, McGee, if you plan to put that moth-eaten old grab bag in our hall closet now... Nine dollars on bid, do I hear? Ten dollars. Ten dollars and three cents. Uh, what was that again, son? I says ten dollars and three cents. Take your earmuffs off, Buster. Spring is here. <laughs> Going once at ten dollars and three cents. Going twice. Sold to the short sport and a long sweater. Dear, oh dear, here we go again. And here's your dough, wise guy, in cash. Ah, and a pleasant surprise it is, my friend. Will you take it with you, or shall I have our twelve beautiful dancing girls carry you home in it? Well, that's an interesting question, McGee. How do we get it home? You stay here a minute, Molly. I'll go get a cab, and the driver will help you load it on. Hurry, McGee. Uh, do you really think this trunk has something valuable in it, Mr. Auctioneer? Lady, I'm going to be honest for the first time today. That's the worst hunk of junk that ever broke an express company's heart. And I wouldn't give you a counterfeit dime for it if it was full of nylons, T-bones, and Greg arson. And now, ladies and gentlemen, item 14 on... Billy Mills in the orchestra and dream.
is that trunk heavy. Phew. Cab driver said he hadn't had a bigger load on since New Year's Eve. <laughs> You're not going to leave it out here on the porch, are you? Mm, why not? Well, people might think we'd just come back from someplace. In which case, they must have thought we'd been away. Mm-hmm. And if they didn't miss us any more than that, my feelings are hurt. <laughs> I guess I better get it in the house at that. If it's full of money, it'll be safer inside. Yes, it would. Open the door, will you? Okay. One, two, three. This, 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 this. That's the heaviest piece of luggage I ever saw. Hey, but Molly, did you hear it jingle when we moved it? Yeah, what do you suppose it's full of? Pie tins? Look, Snooky, these trunks haven't been manufactured for 75 years. Oh, really? And 75 years ago, they used gold money. Oh? If this trunk is full of $10 gold pieces, for instance, why, we're modestly rich. In a totally sort of a way. We're also in trouble with Uncle Sam, aren't we? No, the government will pay us 32 bucks an ounce for gold, or something like that. And this thing must weigh 300 pounds. Allowing 60 pounds for the trunk, that leaves 240 pounds... Sixteen times two hundred and forty is how much? Three thousand eight hundred and forty. Though I'd like to check that with the quiz kids. <laughs> Boy, that's near enough. Three thousand eight hundred and forty times thirty-two bucks is ooh. A hundred and twenty-two thousand eight hundred and eighty. Wow, a hundred and twenty-three thousand bucks. Why we're rich, Molly. Now I can take Anthony Adverse back to the public library. <laughs> now wait a minute, McGee. Before we fill the swimming pool with champagne. Hadn't we better see what's actually in this trunk? Oh, sure, but it's just a formality, kiddo. Suppose it's only got $5 gold pieces in it. That's still 60,000 frog skins. Where's my keys? Ah, here they are. Now, we'll see. That little one in the middle looks like it might fit. That's the key to the padlock on the tool shed on Uncle Sycamore's ranch that I stayed at in 1915. (laughs) Heavenly days, don't you ever throw away a key? Nope. No good? No. I'll try this one. Key to a briefcase I had when I sold insurance in 1919. (laughs) No? It's too flat. You could pry it open with a crowbar, McGee, or drop it out of an upstairs window if you find nine friends stupid enough to carry it upstairs. Just wait a minute. There's a right way and a wrong way to do things, Tootsie, and I haven't used up the wrong ways yet. (laughs) Now, let's see if I can... Mr. McGee and Mrs. McGee, creepers. What's the trunk for? Going someplace? We're going every place, Alice, if this trunk is as full of money as himself here thinks. <laughs> we bought it at an auction. Used to belong to a rich millionaire, Alice, a miser, J. Farthington Crampwell, the third. And when he kicked off, they found money hid all over his house. Oh. Yeah, overlooking this trunk, of course, out of sheer courtesy to Mr. McGee. <laughs> well, jeepers, who'd be dumb enough to think of a trunk like this being full of money? Well, I don't like to mention names, Alice. <laughs> to mention names, but I could stroke his five o'clock shadow from where I'm standing. Okay, okay. Scoff if you want to. Deride. But by George, when I get this trunk open and start counting out cold cash, you got any trunk keys, Alice? <laughs> no, I haven't, Mr. McGee. I don't own a trunk. I just have airplane luggage. Oh, do you like airplane travel, Alice? Do I, Cremony? To sail along 15,000 feet in the air with your meals brought to you and no tipping, and with those good-looking pilots saying excuse me when they bump into your elbow that you stuck out when you saw them coming and everything? <laughs> Jeepers, I'll bet I'd love it if I ever tried it. 
Look, kids, this chatter is very amusing, I'm sure, but with a 40-cent lock standing between me and 100,000 bucks, I'm in no mood for Priddle Prattle. <laughs> you got any keys, Alice? Well, here's a key to my toolbox at the factory. Try it, McGee. Okay. No, no. That won't unlock it. Isn't that a coincidence? It won't unlock my toolbox either. <laughs> It won't? Well, then how do you work if you can't get at your tools? Oh, I don't keep them in my toolbox. They get it too dirty. <laughs> you see, it's a toolbox that one of the boys that he works with the next bench made for me. Uh-huh. Things have changed since my day, I guess. I always had to give girls candy or flowers. Now you got to woo a gal with a hunk of sheet iron and five hours overtime. <laughs> well, he made me a perfectly super toolbox, Mr. McGee. Yeah. I keep my bobby pins and nail polish and compact in it. Mm -hmm. But I can't get the toolbox open, so I look simply a mess at work. Mm. Well, why don't you take some extra cosmetics along, Alice? And hurt the boy that he works at the next bench to me's feelings? Oh, no. Well, I hope you get the trunk open, Mr. McGee. Well, thanks, kid. <clears throat> She was a big help. Well, you bought this trunk, dearie. Getting it open is your problem. Well, don't worry. I'll get it open. Let me try some more of these keys. Let's see. Ah, dear. Talk about inefficiency. I'll bet you don't know what two-thirds of those keys are for. Oh, I don't, eh? Well, for your information, Mrs. McGee, this key here is for the ignition lock on that Apperson jackrabbit I used to drive for old Mr. Balderson back in Peoria. Well, that was 30 years ago. Well, he told me not to lose it, didn't he? <laughs> and this key here is to... Well, I'll admit that one's no good. Here, throw it away. Uh, do you mind if I don't? No, why? That's the key to our front door. <laughs> yes, my gosh, I never even noticed Hello, it. folks, how's it? Well, what's the trunk for? Taking a trip? No, Mr. Wilcox, McGee bought this trunk at an auction. You know what an auction is. Sure, that's a place where a bunch of strangers stand around and bicker about who pays the most money for something none of them really wants. Yeah, but this trunk is full of dough, Junior, I think. You got any keys with you? No, I haven't. You see, McGee, there are men who don't consider it necessary to carry four pounds of keys. Himself here always has so many keys on him, he's getting round-shouldered in the hips, Mr. Wilcox. <laughs> well, why doesn't he use one of them to open the trunk? Because none of them seems to fit the trunk. That's the reason why I don't. <laughs> now, let's see. This one here might be... Gee, one. it's a shame to let a handsome, sturdy trunk like that get looking so shabby when just a little... No, 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 no. Wait. <laughs> you don't have to... It's bring... a lucky thing. I just happen to have some Johnson's wax and a cloth with me. <laughs> let's see what it'll do for that wood and leather. Oh, now, Mr. Wilcox, you don't have to do that, my goodness. Get away from that trunk, Junior. I got work to do. So have I. Only waxing a piece of baggage like this isn't really work. It's fun. Oh, for the love Look, of Look, see how the Johnson's wax helps bring back the beauty of the wood, even after all this time. Oh, for... And see what it does for the leather? Gee whiz, it's criminal not to protect an expensive trunk like this with wax. Save it from dampness and dryness and dust. What that got to do? Well, you'd be amazed how much protection a coat of Johnson's wax gives a thing like this. I don't know, Mr. Wilcox. We amaze very slowly. Look, Waxy, get away, will you? I'm not interested in the outside of this trunk. It's the inside I want to get at. Oh, I don't think you'll find it necessary to wax the inside, pal. You see the inside. Don't gun it. Can't you forget that wax for one second? No. Well, I will say it looks a lot better already, Mr. Wilcox. Why, of course it does. You see, Johnson's Look, wax... Look, Junior... Yeah. I don't like to be inhospitable. <laughs> but if you can't contribute more toward getting this trunk open than a lecture on wax, go home, will you? Oh, now, McGee. Hey, where'd you say you got this trunk, pal? At an auction sale. It used to belong to a rich millionaire. Say, 
A cousin of mine, Big Moxie Wilcox, bought a 40-year-old wooden box at an auction once, and he said it was the smartest thing he ever did in his life. Yeah? Boy, was he happy when he got home and opened it up. Yeah? You know what was in it? Here's your hat, Junior. <laughs> and if that box was full of Johnson's wax, put it on an Amstray. <laughs> Polite of you, McGee. Oh, polite nothing. Any guy with my dough doesn't have to be polite. <laughs> Doggone it, I wish one of these keys had fit. Hadn't we got any trunk keys in the house? Oh, someplace, I suppose. I'll oh. ask Beulah. Oh. oh, Beulah? Beulah? Somebody bowl for Beulah? <laughs> Yeah, we got any trunk keys laying around, Beulah? If we have so, they ain't never come to Beulah's attention. <laughs> Where does old trunk come from? Well, Mr. McGee bought it at an auction, Beulah. He thinks it might be full of $10 gold pieces. Mm-hmm. $10 gold pieces? What is they? <laughs> Molly, please, you're too excited about this thing. Hold yourself down a little. It might not be full of $10 gold pieces at all. It might be only $5 gold pieces. I didn't say I thought so. I said you thought so. Ma'am, if I had me a trunk, I suspicion was full of Indian pennies, I'd tear the lid off of my teeth and nails. <laughs> you wouldn't tear the lid off this one that way, Beulah. This is a genuine dreadnought trunk. They built these things to toss off the top of a stagecoach. Yes, but my point was that if it was just an old trunk between Beulah and Affluence, <laughs> I could kick a hole in with my bare feet. <laughs> uh, now, what would you do with all that money, Beulah? Well, my goodness, ma'am, I tell you, I'd go right... Well, doggone if I know. <laughs> Anything over ten bucks, I get stage fright. <laughs> but I can think of something. You and Ira could really get married on a trunk full of money, couldn't you, Beulah? No, sir. What? Well, Ira, he'd be too proud to marry me if I was a rich woman. Mm-hmm. In which case, I'd dump it in the river. Because, <laughs> you see, it ain't much fun sitting in the movies holding hands with a bank book. <laughs> Not that I ever try it. Well, I'll take a chance on being unhappy, Beulah. Right now, I'm in the position of an amateur musician who's got a chance to conduct the symphony. Why, McGee, said she, shaking her tambourine. <laughs> if I can find the right key, I'll be in the money. Say, if you can find the right key, you'll be... Oh. Oh. <laughs> I love that man. <laughs> Man singing Yatata Yatata. Professors of English all agree that making conversation is an art. They should hear you making conversation with me. They'd have a change of heart. When I put my arm around you and we're going for a walk, must you yatata, 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 talk, talk, talk. When we're sitting close together in a cozy taxi cab, must you yatata, 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 gab, gab, gab. Aristotle, mathematics, economics, antique chairs, then psychology, biology, photography, biography, slow down, who cares? There's a brand new moon this evening, and the weather should be fine. Yet, 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 yet,
example conversation I heard. Pardon me if I quote. My last pair of nylons developed their run from the knee to the toe. Do you know anyone who can get cigarettes without standing in line? Don't you think Spencer Tracy is simply divine? Shall we go to a movie, my dear? By the way, do you like the new turban I'm wearing today? Can't we find a cafe with a nice atmosphere? I would so love a steak. Did you say something, dear? You do it every time. There's a brand new moon this evening, and the weather should be fine. If you yet the chance, yet the chance, yet the chance, yet the chance, same old line. Though I'd really love to pop you, I know the only way to stop you is to close your lips with Rat of Molly, I've tried every key I own, and this lid hasn't budged an inch. Haven't you got any trunk keys hid away? No, dearie, I haven't, but there's an axe in the basement. You can chop a hole in it. Yeah, I thought of that, but there's a heavy penalty for defacing United States currency. Yeah? Yeah, if that axe should slap into one of those $10 gold pieces, I'd be in trouble. Yeah, there's that, too. Mm -hmm. And if it's full of diamond rings, you might dull the axe. Might as well think of everything. Oh, I see. I hate to call a locksmith because he'd blab all over town that McGee was in the books. I want to blab that myself. Come in. Dr. Gamble. Hello, Molly. Hello, small fry. Hi, Pasteur. Cow Pasteur. <laughs> you got any trunk keys on you? No, and I left my burglar's jimmy home, too. Careless of me. McGee bought this trunk at an auction, Doctor, and he can't get it open. Probably just as well. Yeah, but he's sure it's full of money. It jingles and it's so heavy you can't lift it. Oh, that's too bad. Otherwise, he could carry it down to my office and have it x-rayed. X-rayed? My gosh, I never thought of that. I was sure you hadn't. It was too sensible an idea. Well, I guess the only answer is either break it open or call a locksmith, dear. Gosh, I hate to bust a trunk open that I paid $10 for just... $10? For that superannuated egg crate? Brother, you're really a yokel. Did anybody ever try to sell you the Statue of Liberty? We don't talk about that, doctor. (laughs) Why not? Because we don't, that's why, (laughs) Nancy. My gosh, I was merely going to present it to the government. Patriotic gesture. How would you uh, suggest getting this trunk open, doctor? Well, I don't like to stress the obvious, but I'd find out who made the trunk, go to the local agency, and get a key. Now, that's the kind of a bright suggestion I'd have expected from you, Pasteur. (laughs) They haven't made these trunks for 75 years. The alternative, then, is to get a locksmith. Or you could wait till next winter, fill the lock with cold water, and let the ice expand it open. Oh, I'd be nervous having $220,000 in the house all the time. How much? That's what I figured, Doc. $220,000 if it's full of $10 gold pieces. Or $110,000 if it's full of $5 gold pieces. That's just half as much as if it's full of $10. Oh, I see. (laughs) Uh, Would you think it forward of me if I wanted to take your temperature, Sonny? Yes, I would. And you get your big fat hand off my forehead. He's not feverish, Doctor. After all, there's a slight chance that this trunk might have money in it. For the love of Mike, why doesn't he look? I've been telling you, dumbbell, I haven't got a key that'll open it. The only key that'll fit a dreadnought trunk is a dreadnought key. And that's why I... Molly, hey... What are you doing? Oh, I'm just trying something, dearie. Huh? My little brother got locked in a trunk once, and my mother opened it with a hairpin. Oh, don't be ridiculous. That trunk will have to be chiseled open. Don't be so sure, Gabby. Women can do more with a hairpin than a... Ah, there it is, McGee. I unlocked it. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Take that end of it, Doc. When I say three, tip it over. Uh, why don't we just raise the lid and peek in? No, no, no. It's more dramatic this way. Oh. You ready? Yep. One, two, 
Dreadnought trunk keys. <laughs> my, my. You'll need a bigger key ring now. Oh, this is ridiculous. Hey, Molly, you know what I did? Had I better sit down before you tell me? No, look, I took all those dreadnought trunk keys, 7,000 of them. Yeah? I took them to a locksmith, and he gave me 20 bucks for them. Well, good for you, dear. Yeah. You made a profit on your investment after all. Yeah, and because you were smart enough to open the trunk with a hairpin, I, I bought you a little present. Oh, you're so kind. Thank you, darling. <laughs> what is it? Package of hairpins. Oh. Yep. Good night. Good night, all. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson White Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Escape, followed by Father Knows Best. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.